there's three dad favorite movies. Pulp Fiction, which is kind of a rare one. Shawshank Redemption, I think which is the most popular in Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption is the most popular, I think. It's every dad's favorite movie. I can see it. And I've seen one of them. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You should watch Shawshank. It's a little... No, it's not boring. It's good. I am in a what's, what's constant crazy about that is we had that soundtrack on a, a CD and my mom would play it in the car and I had no idea what a brother where that was. And so the movie came out in 2000, so I was like a few years old. And I always was under the impression that we were listening to worship music in the car. Because <laughs> it's all, all like really, it's all Christian themed, the music in the movie. And, um, Dude, such a bop. It was, it's a really good soundtrack. But yeah, I was always like, oh yeah, this is worship music. <laughs> <laughs> but You Are My Sunshine was like my favorite song as a kid. And that is a big, uh, another big song in the film. It so. is, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, not, not worship music. <laughs> How are you doing, Aiden? Are we starting? <laughs> That's it? We're starting now? Oh, How's it going? Yeah, it's going all right. Um, oh, man. It's been a very long week yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I estimate, based on my calculations, I estimate that next week will also be a very long week. Um, yeah. Got a lot of papers due. Nice. A lot of stuff that I just like have to sit down and do, you know? Right. Um, but... I am I am so excited to be back in the studio for another episode of the pod. Episode yes, eight. Yes, sir. By far or I by far the best one. <laughs> <laughs> uh so far, the longest episode of and other stuff podcast. Technically kind of. Wait, which one? Episode eight of season four. Are we on episode eight right now? Yeah. Oh, oh! You're saying the longest season? Yeah. You said episode. Oh, my bad. I was so, sorry, I'm so confused. Great intro. Yeah, I'm doing <laughs> no, great. Yeah, longest, <laughs> long, long, longest season. And Aiden just told me off the books that he wants to go for twenty. I I did News say that. Me. It's quite an ambitious goal. No, I want to as well. Here's what we we're talking about, though. We have what? How many weeks left before? We're like traveling and going. Uh, so it is the first week of April, and we have four weeks in April. So we have like six weeks left. Yeah, five so, or six weeks. So I don't know how the access to the studio works after that. I'm when I finish the class that gives me access. I don't know if I lose access. Either way, if we're a not staying in New York or b don't have access to the studio. Just expect the quality of the audio to go down just a significant, little bit. Significant drop in Think audio back quality. to when you supported us in seasons one through three. Think back <laughs> to those times. And just remember that you're here for the content, not for the audio quality. Yeah. Unless unless there is someone out there that would like to become a primary sponsor for and other sub podcasts. Yeah, buy us and, six hundred dollars yeah, worth of mics. And, and help us, you know, <laughs> uh buy some some permanent audio. If equipment. it means that much to you. If you aren't gonna listen, maybe think about that. But I mean it won't be that bad. Yeah, I'm just tossing that out there. If there is someone that <laughs> someone really has, wants to give us money. you know, a few extra dollars hanging around, maybe we can start a GoFundMe. Um a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um but we'll figure it out. Uh, going off of that as well, I'm sure that there will be some breaks 
um yeah one or two you know after the you know after the semester ends uh we're we're gonna chug until the end of the semester yeah just gonna chug along uh we'd like to continue doing the films because we enjoy talking about it and everyone seems to enjoy listening to it which is awesome Mm -hmm. um but I know that Michael said something about traveling home right after school's finished, and I don't know what I'm doing for the summer yet. So, um, you know, there there might be some pauses when yeah. when one of us is traveling or something to that extent. So, uh, you know, just stay buckled in and be expecting some changes. I suppose. How do you feel about a recap episode? I I'm like a, here or there, like like only probably one in the season, but like. At some point, maybe I don't want to make it the last episode. Like I want the last episode to be like the rest. I don't like it when like you just tack on something. Or maybe like we'll do a last episode, then a couple weeks later do like a recap if people want to listen to it. But like it might be, I don't know how we'd structure anything, but it might be interesting to go back and look at what we've watched because we've watched a lot. Yeah, especially if we keep going. I know, yeah. If we get to like 20 movies, it'd be interesting to see Mm -hmm. how the – conversations changed do you think the conversation has changed for you what do you mean well i don't know i i, I realized last night taking notes on no brother where art thou i was like i was trying to force notes onto the page at some mm-hmm. point like near the beginning of the movie i was like oh yeah i'm gonna write this down talk about it and i was like uh no not how this should work because back at the beginning I wasn't worried about writing notes. Last year, I was easy to write notes on. There were a lot of things I didn't like. And it's like it was really easy to write notes on. Not to try to write <laughs> I'm not sure I wrote it. Like, yeah, Last Jedi was so bad. And Dial for Murder, very easy to take notes on as well. Like the yeah. first two. It's like it wasn't, it wasn't forced. Yeah. And I realized last night, I was like, okay, this is actually way better if I don't try to think about the conversation I'm having tomorrow. But instead, just watch this movie and write yeah. down what I like and don't like and what's interesting to me. So um, I think like in a meta way like the podcast kind of got into my head and was like dictating how i was thinking about the movie and it's easier i, I wonder if that will get more difficult as it goes on just it's an interesting thought yeah i mean looking back at my notebook last jedi i had two full pages of notes and i think i think part of it was just like oh like you know i don't know what this this experience of talking about films is going to be like so i'll just write down everything yeah you know? exactly and then you know as we go through my notes start getting significantly shorter um uncut gem was down to one and a half pages um and then it it, it it was also a thing of there were a lot of nerves at the beginning yeah like how is this gonna go like, pride and prejudice i had half a page no. <laughs> there you go. yeah i'd love to see it no but yeah it was pretty easy it was it was pretty hard at the beginning like knowing what the conversation was going to be like mm-hmm. i know we've talked like i never think about the conversation while writing notes like i don't prepare for it yeah like it's not like we're going over our notes like thinking about what to say we write the notes we sit down yeah. and i mean it's up to you guys maybe we should prepare and, <laughs> <laughs> and it could be better but um yeah it's just it's just interesting um yeah it's definitely changed a bit and i think it's it's still fun so. I, th- I think there's definitely some films that we've watched where it's important to sit back and actually um you know like experience the film rather than trying to write down everything sure because why i mean obviously while you're writing down you're missing stuff yeah unless you pause which is just annoying i paused over the word that a lot interesting which actually the first time i did that because i was like i was feeling as if i wasn't taking a lot of notes at the beginning mm-hmm. and then was like all right well maybe i'm missing stuff and i gotta pause it and like make sure i'm not missing anything but yeah you're right like this i think caused 
a lot of attention or uh required a lot of attention rather and arrival i thought required a lot of yeah, attention definitely. um and some don't at all <laughs> like yeah. a movie did not yeah last year i did not dialing for murder didn't even feel like it required attention although it was like a confusing plot it was like yeah. the things to talk about were kind of thrown at you so yeah um definitely diff- different and i'm that's why i'm curious like I'm sorry we're going on and on. It's about to be a long episode. <laughs> I'm, I I talked last week. I'm not sure if I'm doing this or not. I guess if we do 20 episodes, I I end up will end up doing it. But I wonder how different a conversation about a documentary would be. Yeah. Like like how if that would be more difficult to talk about, less difficult because it presumably we would just be talking about the content yeah. or the 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 story and everything like that yeah, rather than rather than technique and. Yeah. I feel like that's more boring, but it could be could be interesting. That's true. We could try it out. If it, you know, if it bombs, then yeah, it bombs. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to jump into it? Why not? So, so I didn't ask you how you're doing. Sorry. It's okay. Um, I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, okay. All I'm joking, right. Kinda. Um, I'm doing well. Yeah, I, that's it. Boom. <laughs> that's the. You don't need to ask me. I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing to complain about. No. Uh, yeah, it was a long week. Um, uh, the weeks are really blurring together at this point. Like you get to that point in school when it's all routine, and so I. There's uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and that's yeah, all sure. the eyes are focused on right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Aiden and I were talking in a group the other day, and someone was like, "How's your weekend?" Aiden and I were both like. <laughs> What? I don't, I don't, don't even remember the weekend, bro. <laughs> no, but uh, it was it was a good week. Um, you know, just school pretty much. So it was good. Dab, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> now we can move on. To All right, brother now brother. let's get into so it. So yeah, I picked yeah. Obrador War though. Um, uh, starring George Clooney, Tim Blake yeah. Nelson, um, John Turturro, uh, John Goodman, John Goodman, um. Uh, uh, Mrs. Incredible. Yes. <laughs> um, Helen. Uh, I don't want to figure your name. I don't want to. Helen Hunter. Helen Hunt. I think. Anyway, um, Helen Hunt. Um, my phone heard me and knew I was about to search for that. <laughs> so I <hate> that. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the Coen Brothers, directed, uh, written, produced by the Coen Brothers, um, from the year two thousand. It. Um, you guys probably watch it. It's available on Prime to rent. It's available in a lot of places to rent for like three bucks. Um, Unfortunately, I think this is the first one where I know I've had to pay. Also, could not find it free online. R.I.P. <laughs> I did try, uh, but <laughs> it, actually, one movie previously I found free online, then realized it was free on an actual streaming service, and I ended up watching on the streaming service. But this is the first one I couldn't fi- I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, so tragic. Yeah, but probably better that I didn't pirate it. But um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Obrador Art Thou. Um, I picked this one. It's one of my all-time favorites. I think it's in my top ten ever that I've seen. More my top ten favorite, I guess. Um, again, I mentioned my mom did. I don't know if that made it into the intro, but my mom used to play the soundtrack in the car because she liked the movie and. I was always under the impression that it was a worship, like Christian worship soundtrack, but it wasn't. It was a movie soundtrack. Um, so that was my first introduction to it. Then like years later, I watched the movie for the first time and was like, wow, that connects me to like the music of my childhood, which was awesome. And then just a really good movie. Um, but yeah, so one of my favorites, Aiden, 
what do you think going in? What do you think? What's your comments on what I just said? Before I start, uh, I have noticed during the season that your family is a big film family. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. I think that's super awesome. I love that, like, even when you were little, like, your mom was like, oh, yeah, like, this film, good. Soundtrack, good. We're blasting yeah. it in the car going yeah. to the grocery store. My mom, you know? <laughs> my mom's cool. Uh, <laughs> what can I say? Mom, you're cool. <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, no, I definitely attribute, like, actually, like, wanting to go to film school to my family. Like, it was just, we watched, like, Dylan for Murder was a movie we watched, like, TCM the Turner Classic Movies is a is like a classic movies channel on cable and we just like for a good stretch of time every single night would watch a movie and crazy like some of them were boring <laughs> but like uh that was like my big introduction to movies for sure and then since going to film school like that's and I, the podcast helps a lot but like it's only grown as far as like movies mm-hmm. in the household because my brother's super involved now in and trying to like get into the industry and like uh doing work on the side um of right screenwriting and like my parents are more involved my mom's always recommending me movies which i'm sorry mom i don't watch because <laughs> i never i have a list of movies like a long list of movies i need to watch and when throughout the week i typically only sit down to watch a movie for the podcast now like i don't watch movies otherwise every once in a while i will when i have free time so mom I have your movies on a list, <laughs> and I will get to them someday. They'll, they'll be watched. It's but yeah, yeah, big movie, big movie guys. See, my family is uh, my family's movie stuff is driven by my father, who mm-hmm. just watches the same ten films over and over, <laughs> like some classics: Apollo thirteen, a hey, nice, the Ocean's trilogy, yeah, um, Armageddon. Um, you know, I love Armageddon. S- dude. <laughs> <laughs> I love Armageddon, and see. I we always make fun of my dad for watching the same films over and over, but he actually has good reasoning behind it. It's because whenever he turns it on, he can be sitting down watching it, and then if he has to go do something, he can walk away and come back and know exactly what happened, and he doesn't miss anything. I mean, there's something about like early two thousands movies. I don't know if Oh Brother falls into this camp. <laughs> there's something about like Castaway, the Ocean's trilogy, Armageddon, like Apollo. <laughs> like that's like nineties, I think, but like. They're just always on TV. Yeah, like, they like, are. They're always doesn't on even like happen for other TNT, eras. Yeah, Sci-Fi AMC, Channel. Yeah, AMC. Yep. Like I remember Castaway. I've probably seen it forty times. Yeah, that's that's another classic my dad for the dad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just funny. Anyway, yeah. Uh, oh, brother, what that? What do you think? Sorry. Yeah. I'll going in, it. coming out. Yeah. Um. So I really had no expectations for it. Um. I will say I'm a big fan of George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Um. He is a an Ohio-born man. That's right. Uh, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, and, you know, I when I grew up, I always saw him on the TV be from the Ocean Trilogy. The Ocean <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've, I've always really liked George Clooney. Uh, so I was walking into it, uh, you know, getting a little hyped for the George Clooney parents. Um, and I feel like he did a, a really sick job mm-hmm. uh, in the film. Um, and... Um, I wrote down uh, Chef's Kiss uh, next to George Clooney's name, um, but I think that his character is is really solid. Um, I really like his addiction to his pomade, um, <laughs> and um, you know I think 
just the group that he's in, you know, his, you know, the group dynamic is super well, uh, you know, there's a super intelligent guy. And then there's these two guys that just kind of follow along and do the, yeah, the brunt work. Um, right. And, um, you know, outside of that, um, it was weird because like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the film's based off of the Odyssey. Yes, it is. And I don't even want to say loosely. It's not exactly like the Odyssey. Right. Obviously in depiction, but also like storyline. Right. It's right. not exactly like it, but identical elements right. in some places. And it's weird because like during the film, I was like, I was like, I don't really know what's happening. Like, right. Like I knew it was happening, but it was just like, like nothing is really like nothing's really driving mm. this, you know, like they talked about the treasure, but like it, it seemed almost, which, you know, going back to, the odyssey it seemed more about like the journey of where they're going rather than getting somewhere yeah uh which is super interesting um and i think you know that was played out super well uh in addition i really love like how much of a small world it felt like Mm -hmm. like you meet someone in the beginning like the the guy pushing the lever on the the railroad and he shows up at the very end and like um the blind seer yeah right and like the the song that they record that you heard in the intro my glorious rendition of it um the <laughs> if that makes it in <laughs> um I'll probably cut that out no. No, no, no. <laughs> um you like that's put like 30 minutes into the film i think and then like by the end that's the thing that saves them from n- not necessarily saves them but, but yeah like, they're celebrities it, yeah they're celebrities and then you know the two governor's candidates you know there's a story there and the the the, the um john goodman character yeah. um, the cyclops yeah um mm-hmm. you know that is like all these people just pop up in different places and you're like oh wow what a small world you know <laughs> um uh what else true to like epic tales yeah you know because of how coincidental they seem like my mind goes to lame is yeah just how coincident and that's like push but yeah um i really love the soundtrack super good um and just like in general the role that the music played Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was super interesting, and then lastly, um, I loved that there was comedy in it. Like for sure, it's very funny. Yeah, it was, there were several points where I was like laughing out loud. Um, and excuse me, um, excuse me again. Um, it's um, got the snip tool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it. Yeah, I just like. I I enjoyed there being comedy in it. Otherwise, it would have been probably super dry. And I think that, yeah. I mean, obviously, but like I think, especially George Clooney's character is like a pretty pretty solid in that. Yeah, it's that's the Coen Brothers. I mean, uh, how many other movies of theirs have you seen, if any? I have no idea. So they did I'll Big Lebowski, Fargo. Do some research. Yeah, uh, No Country for Old Men. Um. Inside Lou and Davis, this is almost every single one of their movies except for Oh Brother. Where I'm sorry, No Country for Old Men has comedy in it, like very comedic. Even Inside Lou and Davis, which is one of their more serious movies, has a lot of comedy. No Country for Old Men doesn't have very much comedy at all. Um, but that's my favorite movie of theirs and one of my favorite movie, movies ever. But yeah, Joel Cohen. Went to NYU. Yes, he did for grad then? school. Yeah. Grad at NYU. That says BFA. 
Really? It does. Wow, I thought I thought I think one of them went to grad here. But yeah, we have that's why the posters are all in the hallway, right outside of this door. We have ah, Big boom. We have the Oh Brother Wart there on Big Lebowski posters right outside the door. Um because they went here. I think this is gonna be pretty embarrassing. I haven't seen any of them. I don't movies. think I've Burn seen After any Reading, of them. no. No. Another great George Clooney role. I think this is my favorite George Clooney role. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um you, but yeah, so you liked it, which is awesome. Yeah. Um I mean, there's lots to talk about. Should I just jump in? Yeah, some go stuff? for it. Yeah. So first off, I love the beginning and end start monochromatic, mm-hmm. um, and then slowly the color fades in. But the color in the movie never truly fades in. Um, this was shot in Mississippi during the summer, and it takes place in 1938 or seven, I believe they reveal when they say how long they're going to be in prison for. He says, 50 years, I'll be 80, 87, you know. I think that revealed that it was going to be like, it was like 1937 or something. So um, after the Dust Bowl during the Great Depression and shot in Mississippi in the summer and someone, I think Roger Deakins, the, the DP, uh, famous DP, did 1917 uh, Blade Runner, uh, Sicario. Um, he came to them and said, listen, Mississippi in the summer is going to be green. It's going to be really lush all green so the all the footage you see in this movie which is almost all yellow and brown and gray is actually blue and green and deep brown and the color correction that they did was insane on this movie Mm. and like the technology i watched a video um a long time ago about the color correction on this movie and the technology isn't what we have today in terms of color correction they had huge machines like to do the color like whole Studios, which I know you have color correction suites still today, but you should see these like analog machines they had to use. And um, it, the, they turned the deep greens of Mississippi into like pale yellows. And the sky is like a pastel light, light blue. And it's just beautiful. It's amazing. The, their, their prison suits are like the almost monochrome, like just gray. Mm-hmm. Um, their skin tones are all toned down. Um, in their hair so that the actual figure of their body looks as if it could be like in black and white or like a uh, sepia kind of um, black and white monochrome. Um, but it's super interesting just like if the movie had been released, which so many are, um, if the movie had been released the way that the camera captured it, it wouldn't have had the same effect. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't feel like you were in the era that they were in, mm-hmm. um, which is so well done. There's actually one scene um, with the sirens, um, the three women that were uh, bathing in the lake in the one scene, in the river, who like seduce them and get them drunk and they fall asleep. Um, you can see little clouds around their heads. You can see where they were comped out. And I think at the time, the technology they used, well, it varies because it, it doesn't matter too much of a, a sidetrack, but they were, they're comped out. They're like cut out of the frame. And their colors brought back in. You can tell because there's a little blue halo around them. Hmm. Um, and they are supposed to be these attractive, seductive creatures like they were in the Odyssey. And um, their color is brought back. Like they're very colorful. You can see, you know, pink in their dresses and like just the, their skin tones and their hair are more colorful than anything else in the environment, mm-hmm. which is, I think was really it's just such creative work. It's such hard work that went into this. Um, I we talked about 
Pride and Prejudice being like what I thought was the culmination of like all these perfect elements coming together. I think Oh Brother Where Thou comes very close to that as well. And um, I don't remember if we talked about this the week after Pride and Prejudice or not, but I love how I'm still talking about that movie. But um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't. Uh, but I had a conversation about like, just how high the effort is in Pride and Prejudice with someone back home, and um, that that that's just a testament to this as well, like the high amount of effort that went into this. Um, in just this one element of like the way that the final look of the film is going to be mm-hmm. um, was just so well captured, so well captured. But yeah, um, I thought that's just the first note <laughs> of my. On my <laughs> Four minutes later. Yeah. I can go on. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. I the You talked a little bit about the dynamic between George Clooney the other two, um, their names are George Clooney's name is Everett. Um, uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character is Delmar, and uh, John Turturro's character is Pete. Um, Delmar's very dumb, just not a smart guy. Uh, Everett's pretty intelligent, and Pete's somewhere in the middle. Um, and just immediately, you know, their dynamic. They fall off the train at the beginning mm-hmm. well george clooney climbs onto the train and everett says th- these guys he said you don't happen to be metalsmiths do you like you could take our chains off they get p- yanked off the chain because the other two are too slow um and immediately they start arguing about um who's in charge, who's in charge. <laughs> and you can see that everett's the smooth talking smart one uh pete kind of knows like hey you're trying to take advantage of us and delmar never has any idea what's going on <laughs> and so like in the first two lines of dialogue you know the dynamic between these characters which is super well done um and just sets up the story uh super well mm-hmm. and very all three super interesting characters which the cone brothers i'm glad that we had the opportunity to talk about this by doing a cone brothers movie they are the greatest i don't uh, the the casting director oh what's her name um she has a famous Hollywood last name, but I'm not sure if she's related to the film. Whoa, way. All right. Awesome. Uh, I'm not sure if she's related to... It doesn't matter. Excuse me. Going on for too long. But the casting in Coen Brothers movies is amazing. They don't pick necessarily the most beautiful people or like the most famous people. They pick people that you're going to remember. And if you watch any Coen Brothers movie, you can always remember what that specific character looked like in that specific scene. Even yep. the smallest characters that you can picture right now. I know you watched it this morning, but you can picture what the fiance looked like, the suitor at the end yep. of the movie. And I guarantee like later on this month, you're going to still remember that. And from previous Coen Brothers movies you watched, you just always remember what the characters look like. And that Interesting. Is, is just, they do that better than like anybody in Hollywood, I think. Um, and it's true of even the main characters. Um, could be a bold take. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's it's not. It's it's just it's just it's haven't just I sadly have not seen a different Coen Brothers film, yeah. so I can't know if you're right or not. But I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I am. I am right. Yes. Um. No, but Ed, Ed, Everett was such an interesting character. Like Odysseus, he's very cunning and like smooth talking. Um. But he's just completely emotionally detached. And you can tell that, again, from, like, subtle interactions. He's always the one to try to, like, trick someone out of something or, like, get his way with mm-hmm. adults, typically. Mm-hmm. But as soon as Wash, uh, Wash, uh, Pete's cousin, who they go stay with for mm-hmm. a night, as soon as Wash's son comes up with a gun, 
it's Delmar who starts talking to him and talking him down because he's more emotionally with it than even Everett, even though Delmar isn't mm. very smart. Later in the movie, Delmar's the one who, you know, George Nelson is yelling at an old woman at the bank that he's robbing, and Delmar's the one who talks him down and gets him in the car. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's these instances where it's like Everett, although very smart, doesn't know how to handle people and clearly didn't know how to handle his yeah. relationship, didn't know how to really handle his daughters in the situation with them. Um, and that was just super interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point. You also see that when they're talking about the reasons why, what they're going to do with the money. You know, Delmar, and although the money was fake, you have this situation where Everett's asking them, what are you guys going to do with this money that doesn't exist that I'm lying to you about? And, you know, Pete has a very, like, innocent vision of, like, I'm going to open a restaurant and be the host and, you know, wear a bow tie every day and get free meals. It's going to be awesome. And then, you know, Delmar says, I'm going to go, um, buy back the land that was foreclosed on by the bank, which was a huge problem, obviously, during the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And um, then Everett's sitting there saying, I don't have a reason. And all the while, he's provoking them about the lie that he mm. told them. Yeah. Um, and so it just sets up their dynamic really, really brilliantly, I thought. Yeah. Um, there were several moments throughout the film, uh, you know, kind of, I think, you know, these are what added to me being like, oh, there's not really anything that's driving this. It's just about the journey. I think a few of those are like the um, like the chorus in the white robes at the the river singing. Yeah. And obviously the seductive women and the KKK mm-hmm. um, meeting or whatever. Right whatever that's called. Yeah. Um, and, um, those were all super interesting and I'm interested to know if you have an idea of if that, if those three things deeply mean anything or if it's just a, like a take on the South in the thirties, forties, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they mean a lot. I think, you have to look back to Homer and the Odyssey uh, to, like, like I guess this movie can operate independently of that as well. But, you know, a big thing about mythology and specifically these epic poems was, like, fate. Um, and the Coen brothers kind of twisted that a bit, but you have this journey that doesn't mean anything. You know, he's just escaping prison because... He wants to go stop his wife mm-hmm. from getting married, which is how what the Odyssey is as well. Um, but you have these twists and turns and random things that happen mm-hmm. because there is a huge theme of fate. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. Fate is going to, you know, get you to your destination or not get you to your destination. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, divine intervention is a huge theme um, where the gods specifically in the odyssey i believe athena was very involved in helping odysseus um against the judgment of other gods Mm -hmm. um and so you have elements of um fate and providence and how the characters react to that you have a line that repeats itself throughout the movie of um you know um everybody's looking for answers and that was a theme of the 1930s everyone's looking for answers Mm -hmm. everyone's trying to you know you know, travel somewhere new, find out a new secret, uh, sell something, 
come into money, figure out how to, you know, fix everything that went wrong at the time. And you have scenes like the river where that's the way that Delmar and Pete look for answers there. I'm, we're going to get baptized and everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You have, was it Tom was the person they pick up on the side of the road, the guitar player? Uh, I think it was to- Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. They pick up Tommy on the side of the road who sold his soul to the devil and said, he taught me how to play guitar. Um, he said, I wasn't doing anything with my soul, which is super funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you have people looking for answers. And, and so, and that's also a degree of, um, you know, Everett refused to believe that like God's not going to help them. Um, you know, like you have to like help yourself. That was kind of Everett's outlook. Um, but I think that was all an emphasis on the original themes from the Odyssey, which came into play a lot of times. And I have a lot of notes on these, so I can just, you know, start to read those right now. Um, so I have, yeah, Fate, Divine Intervention. I'm I'm actually reading notes on my phone. Thank you, Mary, for sending me my Shout out, Mary. Because I forgot them at home this morning. Um, which last night I was writing them and I put them down on my desk. I said, I'm going to forget those tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, I went, and I went to bed. <laughs> classic, dude. Hey, when that happens. I was about to put it in my bag. I said, oh, whatever. Okay, so they were saved by um, Wash's son in the car. Randomly pulls up while the bur- barn's burning. Mm-hmm. Um, saved by water at the end. Mm-hmm. They're about to be hung. They all three pray and water comes yep. in. Um, they are saved by babyface George Nelson mm-hmm. um, pulling up on the road. Um And, you know, even Tommy, who sold his soul to the devil, described the devil as being a white man um, with a dog who is the sheriff in the story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly the details of him teaching him how to play guitar. Like, I don't know yeah, about don't... that. But Tommy describes him as a white man with a dog. Yeah. And at the end, the sheriff, the white man with the dog, says, the devil's come to collect his due. Mm-hmm. And you know Tommy's about to get be hung with um, Delmar, Pete, and Everett, and so you have all these ideas of like karma and you know things coming back to you, and fate, and just like the twists and turns that happen through nature, through other people, through the decisions that you've made. Um, and I don't know where I come out on this because you have like keys, clues of both, because that is how um, the Odyssey went. Um, and there was divine intervention and like unequal justice in the Odyssey was a big theme of like one God had pity on Odysseus and would go do something even though he didn't deserve it. Yeah. And that's kind of how this worked too. Like there's characters who, you know, got baptized and then characters that sold their souls to the devil. They both end up in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you have Everett praying at the end. Um, man, this is actually one of the last notes I thought I'd talk about, but I'll just talk about it now. You have Everett praying at the end saying, forgive me, God. You know, I just want to see my kids again. Mm-hmm. Just let me make things right. And they're saved by the water. Um, and, you know, at the end, there's a subtle look between Delmar and Pete after, you know, they're saved and they're floating in the river. And everyone's like, nah, that wasn't God. That was just like, yeah. you know, the dam was being built. Yeah. Like, it's it's normal. And uh, there's a subtle look between them for the first time in the movie of like, okay, he's an idiot. Like before, they were always looking up to him as the smart one, and now they're like, whatever. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yep. And then for an instant, he sees the cow on the roof, which was the prophecy of the blind seer at the beginning of the story. 
and for an instant effort, it's like, oh, maybe this is like providence, like divine providence. And then he like turns back and like, oh no, this is this is nothing. And I think that the story in general, you know, covers the fact that it tries to stick to what to to the fate aspect of the Odyssey. But I think in general, it it's really about like you know evil doing and like trickery and deceit like they you don't come out on top you see like george nelson as the physical manifestation of that you see the candidate who was a kkk leader you know at the end you know fall because of his actions and you mm-hmm. see everett who finally you know he he's tricked himself out of everything you think he you think for a moment that he's you know turned around and then he's about to be hung by the sheriff and then him saying, okay, I was wrong this whole time. My tricks didn't get me out of this. He is then, you know, redeemed and he's he's saved along with his friends. And so I think the moral of the story is that, like, um, you know, deceit is not the way to go. But again, at the very end, you see the blind seer who was the first person that started their journey that they met at the end where they end up. And then there's, so there is an aspect of, like, this blind person took the same journey as them. And yeah. ended up where they did, yeah. and like it's like, and and it's a play on like, you can walk blindly through life and like end up in the right place, and like fate will like mm. take care of it. Yeah. So I think there's aspects of both, and they had to say true to the Odyssey a bit, but they they played with it as well a little bit. I think. See, I will say that uh, whenever that the blind man was giving the prophecy at the beginning, I like wasn't paying attention that much, <laughs> but like I knew I was like, okay, I feel okay, just like based on movie knowledge like this is going to be the driving force of it. like this is <laughs> right. literally going to right. be the plot of the right. film and i just continued to not pay attention nice. Um, nice. yeah so i hate myself for that but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i like, mean like when you mentioned the cow on the roof i was like i don't remember him saying that <laughs> you just looked at the cow on the roof and you were like what <laughs> <laughs> i was like how did the cow get up there bro? that cgi cow that was funny um i mean other emphasis Em- em- yeah emphasis put on it's like in the movie they no one can pronounce accompaniment accompaniment it is hard piano player it's a hard word but uh emphasis on the dishon of dishonesty not paying off you have george nelson who obviously um does gets what he deserves as well as the candidate uh who's a kkk leader um driving past the prisoners on the track um like working on the chain gang and they're sitting in the back of the truck, and you can see that Everett feels guilty for that. Um, trying to take advantage of John Goodman and get money out of that interaction ends up of their money getting stolen mm-hmm. and them being knocked out and their toad getting crushed, who they thought was Pete at the time. R.I.P. Rip the toad. R.I.P. toad. Um, yeah, and then uh, Everett, you know, claims, you know, Pete's turning into a toad was punishment. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, he shouldn't have slept uh, with those women, and you know, now he's being punished. He's turned into a toad, yeah, and like kind of cl- trying to clear his own name of like any wrongdoing and showing, see, Pete actually did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but even just, you know, um, when John Goodman's character, you know, stole the money, stole the car. I think, I think that was their car that he stole. Yeah. Um, you know, you just think, oh, that's the last we're going to see him. 
but then you know he shows up he's also at the clan rally yeah he yeah. shows up to be a member of the kkk and um you know it's weird that he like recognized George Clooney's voice. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like that's meanwhile, very unrealistic. Meanwhile, George Clooney is yelling at Tommy. He's like, "Hey, Tommy, we're here to rescue you." No <laughs> yeah, one, no yeah, one notices. Literally, no one bats an eye that Tommy's <laughs> like, "Nope, you're not saving me now." Like, I would immediately like just like hold down George Clooney and and the yeah, game. Yeah. But they're like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> also hilarious in that scene, the play on the Odyssey, the Cyclops is defeated because they throw a stake into his eye. Um. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're able to escape because he can't see. Uh, You think for a second that the Confederate flag is going to stab John Goodman in the eye. And he catches it and the cross falls off him. Yeah. (laughs) Which was just them playing with, obviously, what happens in the original story, which was so funny. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like I was saying, uh, it just being a small world, like he just shows up there and, um, you know, eventually the crew, the trio gets the revenge on him. Right. And the, you know, the guy running for governor turns out to be like the main guy in charge. Right. Um, and then, you know, we, we, whenever we first meet him, we think of him as like this good guy that's going to bring reform or whatever. Right. I don't know. And you don't look at the other guy. Yeah. As, he, as a good yeah, guy, you look and, at him as like this, like mean. Yeah, exactly. Guy. And then by the ending scene, you know, everyone just starts to hate this guy that's challenging the incumbent and like he gets carried out on a stake and right. gets broadcast out to all the radios and everyone's like, All right, this guy sucks. Yeah. Like, um and then excuse me, gosh. Um and then the incumbent governor, you know, capitalizes on the soggy bottom boys. Yeah. <laughs> love Great the name, dude. I Great love the dude. name. Um he capitalizes on the soggy bottom boys being there. Um, which whenever they walked on stage, I was like, dude, they better sing that song. <laughs> like if they don't, I'm, I'm going to be mad disappointed. Um, but you know, he, he capitalized on them being there. I wrote down, it was a political power move, um, yeah, to just like step on stage and be like, yeah, I'm like, cool. I, I like this group. I don't even know who these guys are, but you better believe I love them. And yeah. then he just like pardons, pardons them on the spot. And, you know, crowd's going crazy. Definitely got reelected. <laughs> yeah, that, most definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that the other guy got like 0% of yeah. the vote. So uh, just like an interesting turn of events um, and just like how people kept showing up. And then even right after that, you know, the um, uh, the bank robber, whatever his name was. Um, George Nelson was paraded through the streets yep, and sent to yep, jail. He, yeah, he yeah. shows up at the end. Um, and then right after that, it leads to the cabin where george clooney and the crew um you know thinks that they're gonna be home sweet home and they can walk in the cabin and george clooney can access his like two thousand cans of dapper 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 dan Dan. dapper dan dapper dan um and um you know we meet the the devil the sheriff um again which is interesting who's always characterized by fire yeah anytime there was fire in the scene he was there Mm -hmm. which is which was or thunder which was interesting. Um, I did want to talk. Do you, I yeah, know. I've got some more stuff, but you go first. Um, well, I, you you mentioned Dapper Dan. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to talk about. What were we going to say? I was just going to say the motif of Dapper Dan is interesting. Yeah. Um, because you know it appears as if George Clooney is a Dapper Dan man, and like just the idea of him getting out of jail or whatever, or being a 
prisoner, whatever. And still um, caring about. Yeah, and like he goes to the store and he's like, no, I, I'm not taking this other stuff. I'm a Dapper Dan man. I believe there's like, an answer to that. Yeah. He's like super picky about it, which is interesting. So I'd love to hear what you have Yeah, to say. well, in the Odyssey, there is a huge theme, or in mythology in general, a huge emphasis on hubris, which is pride, um, and that being the downfall of characters. Hmm. Like you have a ton of characters whose downfall is pride. Um, and Odysseus, his pride gets in the way a lot of times. And that was what Dapper Dan was. Like he was fixated on having hairnets and using Dapper Dan and only using Dapper Dan. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's the only reason that the, the devil and the dog were able to stay on his trail mm-hmm. was because the dog kept sniffing yep. Dapper Dan and following them. So that's, yep. I think it was very, like that was just, it was super simple. Um, and like just, you know, it was Dapper Dan and him being vain about it that got them caught. Um, yeah. Uh, another motif is just the water, which we kind of touched on. Yeah. Um, a little bit ago, but just thought it was interesting that, um, actually, no, I don't know. I think you touched on what I was going to say. So unless yeah, the water was, I mean, it was interesting. Like I was not expecting it to happen. Like you would think with George Clooney's character, getting down to pray like i was expecting that something would happen um whether that be like the governor rolls up and is like no nah, these are the soggy bottom boys they're my my guys right. um or you know his wife uh or divorced ex-wife yeah. whatever uh pulls up and it's like no uh you know something to that effect one of the previously mentioned characters you know it's a small world so i figured that one of them would show up i think well the water itself the the whole story was we need to get there before the dam breaks or before it, before the lake fills. Mm. And it was the lake filling that saved them. Like that was the whole thing. And even when she's like, you need to go get my ring. It was still, we need to get there before the lake fills or we're never going to be able to find it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was the lake ultimately that saved them and gave them the wrong ring mm-hmm. um, at the end. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, but there were a lot of instances of water being baptized. Yeah, the sirens in the lake, uh, the lake being at the saved. End. Yeah, uh, the the water saving them at the end um, are all. Yeah, I don't know exactly, it, or even if there's a comparison to like the Odyssey, for instance. But um, yeah, definitely motif as well. Yeah. Um, other elements from the Odyssey, um, the concealing of identity was a big one. They're disguised as. Uh, Odysseus disguised himself as a beggar at one point um, and also um, conceals his identity to the Cyclops. Um, Everett does the same thing. He doesn't tell the Cyclops or John Goodman who he is. He pretends he's someone else. He does that a couple of times throughout the the story. Mm -hmm. Conceals his identity also to the blindness was also... Yeah, reoccurring. There was the blind seer. There was the blind man who ran the radio mm-hmm. station, and John Goodman had one eye. Um, and there were, and yeah, he didn't. He pretended he was someone else to the, um, to uh, the radio guy. Um, he disguised himself as the Soggy Bottom Boys, literally, as well as disguised them, disguised themselves as the KKK when they go to save Tommy from the rally. Mm-hmm. Um. And, yeah, so that was uh, a parallel shown. Um, and it gets them into trouble, um, which was an important, I think, part of it because, you know, 
like like not in Odysseus's case, you know, concealing his identity to the Cyclops helped him, but then it was his pride that said the telling the Cyclops who he was that later on gets him in trouble. Um, and in this case, like concealing his identity, Everett's did not help him with John Goodman, and he gets he gets hurt anyway, and they gets his money stolen. Um, and there's instances in the rest of the story where being in disguise or trying to be cunning doesn't help them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, glory and honor is huge in mythology. Um, like just the amount of battles <laughs> and just like the emphasis on dying in battle, how important that was mm-hmm. is huge. Um, this big here too, like they just want glory. They want money. They want to find the treasure, which is huge in, in the time period as well, where everyone's poor. Um, and it's hugely important for them uh, to find that. Um, customs was big as well back in mythology. Like hospitality mm-hmm. was big. Wash was hospitable to them as at first giving them horse stew and then them sleep in his barn. And then, you know, obviously betrays them. Um, but Pete is extremely angry when Everett stole the watch from Wash. Mm-hmm. He said, you didn't know he was going to betray us when you stole it. And mm-hmm. Everett makes up an excuse, but... Um, that made uh, Pete mad, um, showing an emphasis on the hospitality. Um, Delmar constantly wants to do good. Um, he always wants to do the good thing. Um, and, yeah, I have written here that God punishes excessive pride. Um, and mm. the gods punish excessive pride in mythology, and his pride in the form of Dapper Dan was punished in this as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, uh loosely based on the odyssey and lots of references throughout yeah i think uh another thing to point out that i had written down um just the just a matter of like it felt like every character had some sort of redemption that they were after Uh um and everyone was looking for a second chance at something Mm -hmm. like you know we can see that clearly in all three of the the main characters yeah you know just trying to you know redeem themselves from their wrongdoings and being in jail or whatever um you know we can see that in maybe john goodman for like redemption as in not killing george clooney like (laughs) when he had the chance you know he's like getting his redemption for um you know trying to save tommy um at the rally yeah and um you know things of that nature i feel like even though some characters may have more of that than others. I think that it it is something that shows up for a lot of people in the film, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Is that all you got? That's all I got. That's all I got too. Mm. What? Where would you put this uh, in terms of comparing it to other movies we've watched? I don't know. I think like, I, I mean, obviously like when you, whenever you add more films into the mix, it gets harder because there's more to choose from. Um, I would say, so this is episode eight. Probably, Probably middle of the pack for you. Yeah, I'd say middle of the pack. Um, I don't think it was my favorite, but it definitely wasn't Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> next to, is, how about Dallin for Murder? Where Where is it sit next to that? Better or worse? Say, I don't want to say worse, but I yeah, would, but I would say that yeah, I would yeah. rank Dallin higher. higher. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um. So I haven't uh, picked a film yet. <laughs> oh, still. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to start without you. No, it's that. all right. Um, and I have some. 
and I can either just spit them out right now on the air, or we can do like a brief cut and talk about it. We'll do a brief cut. We'll come back okay. right now. now. Okay, now. We're, we're back. back. Let's pick the movie. Let's, um, let's hear it. Okay, so this is pretty ambitious, I would say. Um, I just spit out this idea to Michael um, because I haven't seen it. Turns out Michael hasn't seen either. it either, uh, which is super fascinating. Uh, I started it. You started it? Like, And I didn't stop it because I didn't like it. I stopped it because something came up like five minutes in. I was like, all right, this is three and a half hours. I'm not watching it right now. Wow. Okay. Just gave it away. Three and a half hours long. Um, you don't. You don't have to watch this one if you don't want to. <laughs> Come on, just say it if you want to. Uh, we're gonna do the Irishman. Yeah. Um, which is officially my pick. Uh, but Michael and I have never seen it. Mm-mm. Um, and you know, obviously, I've heard very good things about it, starring the famous Robert, Robert De Niro, De Niro Al, Pesci, Al, Pacino, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, um, et cetera, et cetera. Ray Romano. <laughs> <laughs> um. Directed by Martin Scorsese. Yes. Um, so, yeah, actually excited for that one. It's going to be yeah, like, it's gonna be awesome. It's going to be a lot to sit through, I think. Make sure I delete all my plans for Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing on Friday night, um, but um, excited for it. You can watch it if you want. Or if you've seen it, I would, I've. Just watch it. Come yeah, on. Watch, yeah, oh. come on. But it's on Netflix. Um, so, yeah. Stoked, dude. 2019. And we're just talking about some stuff in the future. I think we're going to play with some compare and contrast in the future yeah. maybe do similar genre yeah. back to back so yeah uh thank you guys so much for listening um means a ton means a, a heck of a lot not gonna lie just like it like, does it does mean a lot yeah yeah i was explaining this to someone recently where it's like it, it used to mean a lot of like someone's text you like hey listen to the podcast good work but then when someone texts you now being like here's what i think about this movie that it is means so much more. Yeah. more. It, it it means something totally different. Yeah. So, like you guys reaching out to us and talking to us and really just listening in general. Yeah. Thank you so much. I will say, uh, you know, I was thinking about it this morning while I was getting ready. Um, you know, just how I mean, I was talking to Michael before we started, and you know, we have a few episodes this season that have like fifty plays ish. Um, and you know, just looking back at all of the other episodes that we've done, I mean, we've had episodes out for over a year and like most of them haven't even eclipsed like 40 right um and so like just you know finding something that people actually like to listen to and you know engage with us is super fun and i was just thinking about just like the possibility of even growing that um yeah so you know please drop a share you know send it to a friend if they're you know i don't know yeah whatever you want to do i think it'd be really cool if we could i know that michael's not too caught up in the numbers or anything i'm a huge numbers guy um (laughs) but it would be it would be super cool just to you know expand our audience um and it'd be cool to drop out of school and it would be super sick yeah um (laughs) do this (laughs) yeah so um you know it would mean the world to us if you dropped it on your instagram story you know something as simple as that leaving a rating a review whatever it is Go um, give the Pride and Prejudice one some love. Yeah, yeah. Because that has the lowest yeah, listens yeah. right now. It's my favorite <laughs> movie ever. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, appreciate all of you guys so much. Yep, yep. And we're looking forward to what the second half of second half. I love the, the finish of the first half and the, the rest of the second half of season four has to offer. So. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a good one. We'll see you in episode nine.